Well, there are continued calls from drug advocates in New Zealand to decriminalise drugs and to adopt, adopt what they call a health approach. And we only need to look overseas at examples of this policy to see what a social disaster it would be. Let's check it out. So let's go firstly to Scotland. And um, according to a report in February, it says that admissions to psychiatric hospitals amongst cannabis users have soared 74% since the drug was effectively decriminalised in Scotland six years ago. Uh, Scottish police changed the police guidance so that those possessing cannabis could be issued with a warning than, rather than face prosecution, and the number of prosecutions halved over that period. But last year, a record number of new patients in Scotland sought hospital treatment for psychiatric disorders blamed on cannabis, including schizophrenia. Now, researchers uh, previously shown a strong link between cannabis and mental illness and one US study from Harvard Medical School found that cannabis-linked psychosis admissions are two and a half times higher in areas where the drug has been legalized. So uh, yeah, that, that sort of doesn't sound like a great success. So let's go to Oregon, state of Oregon in the US. Uh, and more than a year after Oregon became the first state in the nation to decriminalize drugs, officials are admitting the pioneering uh, experiment has failed so far. Seizures of fentanyl, marijuana and opioids have skyrocketed. Police seizures of marijuana in 2021 were more than 10 times that seized in 2020 and 45 times that seized in 2019. That's a massive explosion. Funding for programs intended to provide drug users with treatment has not materialized, and very few users are showing any interest in obtaining that treatment. Under the new law, those found in possession of drugs receive a maximum fine of $100, which would be waived if they call the health line for a health assessment to enter a drug treatment program. Treatment programs were to be funded from the millions of tax dollars re uh, revenue collected from the state's legal marijuana industry. Well, guess what happened next, Nick Minute. Yep, overdoses in just one county have jumped by 700%. Of the 1,885 people who got tickets in the first year of the program, only 91 called the hotline. And of those who called, only a handful had any interest in getting treatment. In fact, a local Republican politician said, quote, our voters were fooled into believing this would be the answer to our behavioral health homelessness and crime issues, end quote. And a policy analysis at Cascade Policy Institute said this, what's missing in this equation is any type of personal accountability. Many of those who need help won't seek it out. Drug courts were helpful in this regard because they pushed addicts into treatment, which reduced substance abuse, uh, substance use and drug involved crimes which of course is exactly what we talk about. It's the coercion of the law forcing people into treatment. So let's also check out San Francisco and uh, published in the Atlantic last week, how San Francisco became a failed city. Nellie Bowles loves her city of San Francisco, but in the last decade, multiple forces have turned her beloved city into something she can no longer abide or even live in. One of those forces is over a decade-long victory march of progressive drug policies. One such policy is a city-run centre for drug addicts. 
It's basically a safe place to shoot up. Progressive drug policies may bring in the tourists and small tax revenue at the start, but soon the tourists dry up and only the addicts remain. In this open-air drug centre, there is no service attempting to get these people into drug treatment, no real effort to get them off the drugs at all. This makes the drug centre really, and I love this uh, statement, this quote, this makes the drug centre really an end-of-life hospice centre for help, helping people die from drugs with dignity on the street. Now, San Francisco saw 92 drug deaths in 2015. In 2020, it had exploded to 700 drug deaths. San Francisco has enacted the policies that groups like Drug Policy Alliance and Marijuana Moment have been calling for the rest of the country to put in place, legalise drug use, don't prosecute drug offenders, and don't arrest or put people through drug treatment. Well, you can add to that the New Zealand Drug Foundation, the Green Party, and a large contingent in the legacy New Zealand media. Interestingly, San Francisco voters sent shockwaves through the political world last week when they voted out a woke district attorney from office, despite him being funded by far-left billionaire George Soros, voters were furious over, amongst other things, open drug use, persistent retail theft, and the skyrocketing number of certain crimes uh, in San Francisco. Now, let's go to Thailand, and they've decided to decriminalise cannabis as well. ...up to get high at the Highland Cafe. Some camped out overnight in Bangkok to ensure they'd get in early. As Thailand removed marijuana from its list of banned narcotics. I don't have to hide the fact that I use cannabis anymore. I don't have to worry about the officers who are always looking out for people using cannabis. I don't have to worry about corrupt cops who try to ask for a bribe. But while you can now grow and carry marijuana, lighting up just anywhere is still a no-no. The government says it's promoting cannabis for medicinal use only, warning that smoking in public could get you a three-month jail sentence or a $780 fine. And the amount of tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, the chemical that makes people high, will be limited in commercial products, such as these ganja gummies. One of the main discussions of Cabinet was about the way people should behave. People can consume and smoke both cannabis and hemp, but certain behaviour has to be controlled. While the government doesn't want Thailand to be seen as a weed wonderland, the public health minister is planning to hand out one million marijuana seedlings to encourage growth in the industry. Authorities hope the trade will boost agriculture and tourism, which have been stunted by the pandemic. Okay, so harsh penalties, uh, jail and fines for smoking cannabis in public, which doesn't sound like decriminalisation then. And the Thailand government is going to give away a million marijuana plants, but says don't get high. Yep, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? And so let's finish off with uh, New Zealand. And our present government prefers a health approach to drug use in New Zealand. And yet this approach doesn't appear to be favoured by many drug users. In fact, the number of drug users engaging with the government's recommended health referral service is abysmally low. According to a recent New Zealand Herald report, the referral to the Alcohol Drug Helpline was set up following changes to the Misuse of Drugs Act in 2019, and it was hailed at the time as a turning point towards harm minimisation if someone's most serious offence was using or possessing illegal substances, drugs. The Ministry of Health reviewed the impact of the law change last year, and one of the key findings was the extremely low rate of engagement with the referral pathway. 
In the 22 months since the law change, and let me just show you this in figures, 8,586 people faced the possibility of a drug use charge as their most serious offence, so they qualified for the health referral. But only 959 health referrals were made because they're optional, and the referrals are made via an app, and the user, the drug user, is then sent a text message by an alcohol and drug helpline, and only 147 of those responded to the text message. Yep, so 147 out of 8,586. Uh, doesn't seem to be working, does it? If you say you want a health approach, the coercion of the law is necessary to force that drug addiction support. An automated text message is not a health response. The minimum for an adequate health response as an alternative to conviction for drugs should be a requirement to at least meet with a health professional. So a smart arrest policy, as we've always argued, can provide an important societal stamp of disapproval about drug use and provide an opportunity to intervene and stop the progression of use. So maintaining its illegality but using a smart arrest policy which targets growers and dealers and deals with youthful indiscretions but all combined with the coercion of the law is the correct response to drug use. So when you see this type of story in Canada, a three-year experiment in British Columbia and Canada decriminalizing possessions of small amounts of drugs, hoping it will help stem a record number of overdose deaths, overdose deaths by easing the fear of arrest by those who need help. And when you see this in New Zealand, that decriminalisation is all the answer to rising drug harm, you can pretty well predict the outcome. Nope, drug advocates just want to normalise drug use. It's a no-brainer, literally. Literally. <laughs>